Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good afternoon, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. Welcome, everyone, in the United States and around the world. The two billion people that I do have access to. Uh, Of course, it would take a miracle for me to reach everyone to access the Internet, but that's my reach anyway. Uh, Shalom, peace. Um, The focus on this program is the fact that those who call themselves righteous and and Christians, uh, we should remember the poor. That's in Galatians 2, verse 10, and in other parts of the Bible. And I'm going to give a Bible study on that. But first, there's been some significant events that have happened uh, in the United States that will eventually affect and is already affecting everyone else uh, in the world. Um, First, let me talk about the recent announcement that the Boy Scouts uh, will be allowing the youth to uh, become Boy Scouts even if they are gay. And so here we go again uh, with the defiance of some that uh, a marriage can also be or a relationship can also be uh, between two males and two females. And so whenever something like this happens, um, I know that I have to go and tell you what God says, not what Kennard says or someone else, but but what God says about this. Uh, He makes it perfectly clear that that's not the case, uh, that uh, two males and two females should not be having sexual relations with each other. Um, In Matthew chapter 19, it states the following. Now go to Matthew chapter 19 because it's pretty clear that Jesus or Yeshua never taught this and he never will teach it. Um, Matthew chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea, which is the west bank beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Then verse 3, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, It is lawful for a man to put away his, or is it, rather, I'm sorry, is it lawful for a man to put away or divorce his wife for every cause? Of course it's not permissible just just by reading that of course it's not <laughs> permissible uh, to divorce your wife for every cause and but that's what they were doing back then 
trying to find any old kind of excuse to get rid of their wife. And that's that's a sin to do that. In Matthew 19, verse 4, and he answered and said unto them, so we know that the context of this scripture, first of all, is marriage. All right? And he answered and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? He didn't make them two males and two females. This, this, this shouldn't be too difficult for any human being to understand, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 5. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother. He didn't say that a man would leave his father and his father or his mother and his mother. He said that a man would leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, not to uh, his husband, but his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So Yeshua is stating, and going back to Genesis to prove it, that a marriage, a sexual relationship, which is only righteous in a marriage, should be between a male and a female. And that male and a female is one flesh. Two males and two females, according to what Yeshua is saying, which is in red letters in your King James Version, is not one flesh. Verse 6, Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let that man put asunder. Now I want you to understand this one important scripture here. He's stating, Yeshua, who is the word of God, and he is God too because he is the word of God. He's saying that a male and a female is one flesh. And he's also saying that that combination God joins together. So who do you think is joining together the combination of two males and two females? It certainly is not God. Okay, so I want you to understand that. God only joins together males and females. There's some other God that's joining two males and two females, and that God is no other but no one other than the devil. And hold your place here. The, the, the Bible plainly states that he is the God of this world. Let me go ahead and type the phrase in here in my... Uh, Bible software here in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Now, this is an important scripture. How does the God of this world blind the minds of people around the world? Well, those who don't want to believe. That not the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. If, if I read these plain scriptures, and, and if you're listening to me, and you still don't understand. God is not calling you to understand. I mean, this is something that a little child would understand, what I'm explaining to you. And I pray that, that those people who made a decision to allow the Boy Scouts to uh, to have homosexual behavior in their camps, I hope they are ignorant. I hope they are blind to what they're they're doing. Because if not, they're going to be judged mightily for this. And homosexuality is wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I just showed you here what Yeshua said. He didn't. He never defined marriage as between two males and two females. And he says that God only joins two males and two females. He doesn't join two males and two. He only joins a male and a female. God only joins a male and a female, 
not two males or two females. God does not join those together. And then he states here, let not man put it asunder. And that's somewhat of a prophecy because that's what man is trying to do. Man is trying to destroy the institution of marriage, particularly those here in the United States. Uh, and then, of course, the rest of the world um, is influenced mightily by what the United States is because we're the most powerful nation in the world. So it, it, this is sad what's going on. This is a sad day in American history. Uh, I mean, what happened, I think I got the email a couple of days ago. Um, it is This is only going to influence our youth even more because of the statistics tells us that of the age groups that are accepting homosexuality, the youth are the ones that are accepting it the most. So th this is not going to stop that. If anything, is going to encourage that to be the case even more. So it, it, it's, it's a sad thing, um, but the positive, if there's any positive out of this, is that we know that the kingdom is coming soon. And one of the signs that Yeshua stated is that there would be rampant homosexuality in the end times. I'm going to prove that to you by quoting a scripture. But I want to read this also in the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, Matthew 19, verse 6, where he says plainly, so that they are no longer two but one flesh. Then let, then let not that which has been joined by God be parted by man. And that's what mankind is trying to do, part the institution of marriage. So let's look. Let's look at rather Luke chapter seventeen. Let's look. Let's look at Luke chapter seventeen. Luke chapter seventeen, starting in verse twenty-six. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Verse twenty-seven. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Similarly, or likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sowed, they planted, and they built it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. In verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So he's talking about in the last days, uh, the time of his coming, the second coming. And then verse 31, in that day, so you understand exactly that this will be his, his second coming, he that he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Okay, so... This is in the context, this rampant homosexuality. What was the event that God caused, or God saw, to cause him to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Let's look at Genesis chapter 19 to find out. This is all in your Bible. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19. Genesis 19, verse 10, But the men put forth their hands, those are the two angels, and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut to, and shut to the door. And verse 11, And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. Verse 12, And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, or do you have anyone else here? Son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whosoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. 
for we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Okay, so what? But what was the event? What was the social behavior that um, God had to see to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? It was homosexuality. Now keep in mind that the sins of Sodom is not just homosexuality. That's just one of them. And if you go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter sixteen, Ezekiel chapter sixteen. Beginning in verse um, 40, uh, let's see, where is it here? Verse 49, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom, pride, fullness of bread, having too much, and abundance of idleness was in her, and her, you know, in other words, laziness, and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. Okay, so that, that those are the sins of Sodom, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's not just homosexuality, and I'm going to talk about our lack of care for the poor, not only in this country, but around the world, and how it's affecting society today, how, how it has always affected society in a negative way. Okay, and Jude talks about Sodom and Gomorrah in the context of the second coming of Christ. Jude 1 verse 7, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh that strange flesh was angelic flesh are set forth for an example. It's, it's for an example for us today. Suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh despise dominion and speak evil of dignitaries. And he goes down and he states in verse 14, And Enoch, also the seven from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. And he's stating, now, I did give a program saying that some people in Sodom and Gomorrah would be, or everyone who has ever lived would be resurrected, but some of those in Sodom and Gomorrah would be given an opportunity for salvation. Because Yeshua plainly stated that they weren't taught how to live the right way of life. And I've, I've given a Bible study to prove that, that uh, people, let me turn to Acts chapter 17, and I'll turn to another scripture too prove this to you, but Acts chapter 17, verse 23, For as I passed and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship. Uh, that's what's going on in the world right now. Uh, and the majority of people are ignorantly worshiping God through their traditions that have been inher inherited from um, uh, past generations, and it has not been truth. Hold your place here in Acts chapter 17, and let's go to Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 16, starting in verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in the day of affliction, the Gentiles shall come, or the nations, shall come unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely 
our fathers have inherited lies, vanity, and things wherein there is no profit. So this is talking about everyone who's ever lived, and the majority of us have inherited lies from our past generations. That's why um, the true God is unknown to most people. And, and there's a lot of worship that's ignorant worship in the world today. So, he states here in verse 29 of Acts chapter 17, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, or the children of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold, or silver, or stone, graven by art and man's device. And the times of this ignorance God winked at. So I want you to notice this. He had winked or ignored all this ignorance prior to the, the Messiah dying and being resurrected. But now commands all men, all of mankind, every writ to repent. Verse 31, because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has adoring. That's the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, Jesus Christ. He that has given assurance unto all and that he has raised him from the dead. Okay, and then in Acts chapter 14, Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 15, and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preaching unto you that you should turn from these vanities into the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past allowed or suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Okay, so he had, uh, in the past, prior to, again to the Messiah being resurrected and the Holy Spirit being given to uh, his followers and so forth, and, and the commission to be expanded for the whole world, not just for the Jews uh, in Israel, who in time past suffered or allowed all nations to walk in their ways. But again, he commands everyone now, everyone, everywhere, to repent. And in Psalm 147, verse 20, actually in verse 19, let's start to get the context. Psalm 147, verse 19, he shows his word unto Jacob, his statutes and judgments unto Israel. And then a little disclaimer here, um, Israel today consists of the people of the United States, the British Commonwealth of Nations, including Canada, France, um, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, the countries in Northwestern Europe. We have the most Bible distribution of any countries around the world, those those that I name. And, of course, the little nation of Israel in the Middle East. We are all Israel, ladies and gentlemen. And he says he shows his word unto Jacob, uh, his statutes and to judgments unto Israel. Jacob is Israel because God renamed Jacob Israel. And then here's the key verse here, verse 20. He has not dealt so with any nation. So he has not dealt with any other nation. And as for his judgment, they have not known them. So, again, um, God started to reveal his truth to Israel first. To uh, He called out the people of Israel first. And that's the reason why today we, we have the most Bible distribution of any country around the world. And But the Bible plainly states that Israel is partially blinded as well. And so the Bible defines sin. You should look at my, or listen to my Bible study on what is sin. Sin is not sin if you don't, if you're blind and don't, and you don't know what you're doing. But some 
do know what they're doing. And in the context of Jude, those who do know what they're doing and are committing the sins of Sodom and know they're committing the sins of Sodom and don't want to repent, they will be destroyed, just like those were destroyed in Sodom. And then uh, they'll be resurrected and judged guilty and thrown in a lake of fire. That's if they do know what they're doing and they don't want to repent. And they have the capability of repenting. All right, so... Um, just wanted to explain that to you. So God views homosexuality as a sign that society is is on the verge of collapse, and that's when He's going to uh, execute His judgments upon the earth as um, homosexuality gets worse and worse and worse, ladies and gentlemen. And th- this is something that we have to understand, and this is something that uh, we can't. Ignore, should not ignore, is a very serious matter uh, when the Boy Scouts are going to accept gays in their in their camp. And they even said that adults eventually uh, will be, looks like they will be allowed to, you know, the adult managers of the group of the Boy Scouts will be allowed to, to be gay in their uh, membership. So that's at another event which is uh, significant because um, the other night, uh, my assembly, uh, they were asking me, uh, well, what was, there had to be some reason why God would allow uh, tornadoes of the power F5, which is eight times the uh, the power of the Nagasaki and Hiroshima, or Hiroshima um, atomic bomb attack by the United States, eight times the power of that. Well, there is. I was doing some research, and, uh, you know, God does not allow these type of things, ladies and gentlemen, unless there's great wickedness uh, in the area where he's allowing it. And, again, that's, that's true. First, let me let me quote Isaiah chapter 45, verse 7. Most people don't aren't aware of the scripture, but it says, Isaiah 45, verse 7, I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Okay, so, and he does these things uh, to hopefully get you to repent. Okay, that that's the reason why he does it. Uh, he wants you to repent of wickedness. Uh, in Amos 3, verse 6, he says, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? Should it be evil in the city? And the Lord has not done it. Okay, and again, the reason why he does these things, he wants you to repent. He wants you to repent of wickedness, he wants me to repent of wickedness. And uh, on my website, I have an article that's um, entitled um, "God and Hurricanes," and I really suggest that you listen to it. I mean, not listen to it, <laughs> read it. And uh, it has a lot of information on why, through the weather, God chooses to punish, or He can choose to bless those on the earth. I'm going to find the article here and quote from it here a little bit in reference to what has happened in in, uh, Oklahoma. Uh, Please have mercy on those people's families that have to cope with uh, the death of certain people and and children. I think some children died. Uh, In Job chapter 37, starting in verse 11, 
2.13 in the contemporary English version of the Bible. It says, Rain clouds filled with lightning appear at God's command, traveling across the sky to release their cargo, sometimes as punishment for sin, sometimes as kindness. So, that's the way he uh, uses this. And then uh, Amos 4, verse 6 to 11 but in all your towns I have kept food from your teeth, and in all your places there has been need of bread, and still you have not come back to me or repent, says the Lord. And I have kept back the rain from you, and when it was still three months before the grain cutting, I sent rain on one town and kept it back from another. There's obviously going to be um, serious drought problems again in the United States. It was. It's been, it's, it's been, we've had serious drought problems here for the past, I think, three, three or four years. And I've kept back from the rain from you when it was still three months before the grain cutting. I, I sent rain on one town and kept it back from another. One part was rained on, and the part where there was no rain became a waste. So two or three towns went wandering to one town looking for water and did not get enough in. And still you have not come back to me. I have sent destruction on your fields by burning and disease. The increase of your gardens and your vine gardens, your fig trees and your olive trees has been food for worms. And still you have not come back to me, says the Lord. I have sent disease among you as it was in Egypt. I have put your young men to the sword and have taken away your horses. I have done, have made the evil smell from your tents come up, up to your noses. And still you have not come back to me, says the Lord. And I have sent destruction among you as when God sent destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. And you are like a burning stick pulled out of the fire. And still you have not come back to me, says the Lord. And that's interesting. He, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah there in that context. And... You have to understand that God is not going to put up with wickedness, ladies and gentlemen. He's not going to put up with homosexuality, in particular, wickedness. That is the last straw with him. That can be easily proven out of the Bible. And Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, plainly states, I will punish the world for his evil and the wicked for their iniquity. And through hurricanes and tornadoes is one of the ways that he does that, ladies and gentlemen. And so with that, I wanted to talk about the Oklahoma tornadoes. And I did find that there is social uh, there's um, social disbehavior around this time. Uh, the uh, tornado outbreak in Oklahoma, Oklahoma began May 18th to the 21st. And I found out, according to this article, on about.com gay and lesbian travel the oklahoma city gay pride 2013 great plains rodeo 2013 it states and this article is by andrew collins about.com says the largest city in the state oklahoma city and this is where this devastation occurred uh, in and around oklahoma city has a large and quite visible gay community in this otherwise very conservative state this is the city with the most gay bars and gay-owned businesses. Again, let me underscore this. The largest city in the state, Oklahoma City, has a large and quiet, visible gay community. In this otherwise very conservative state, this is the city with the most gay bars and gay-owned businesses. It's also home to the well-attended Oklahoma Gay Pride Festival and Parade, which takes place during a new time this year, mid to late May. Again, it begins mid to late May, and this is when this tornado activity began. There's a full week of Pride activity from May 17th through May 26, 2013. 
The Pride Festival will take place May 18th. The parade, May 19th, and organizers are partnering with the Oklahoma Gay Rodeo Association, which will be presenting the Great Plains Rodeo the weekend of May 24th to May 26th. So anyway, I'm not going to go and read the rest of this, um, but I knew, because I, I know I understand the prophecies and I understand how God is, and the reason why is because I read the Bible. If, if anyone else would read the Bible, you would understand also, and believe the Bible, you would understand how God thinks and and how he punishes. But he does not like this homosexual activity that is going on in this country, allowing gays in the military. Uh, right now, the Supreme Court is um, preparing to possibly rule that marriage should be between a male and a female. I mean, uh, that marriage can be between two sexes, uh, two males and two females. The Boy Scouts has recently said, hey, it's okay. Gay is okay. Um, you can you can uh, you can have uh, young boys now. Be gay in the, in the Boy Scouts. And then you have all this ridiculous activity in Oklahoma City. I had no clue what's going on, but God knows what is, what's going on. So this is the reason why God allows these things, ladies and gentlemen. Isaiah chapter fifty nine. Isaiah chapter 59, starting in verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Verse 2, but what's the problem? But your iniquities or your sins have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Verse 3, for your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue has muttered perverseness. None calls for justice, nor any plea for truth. And that's talking about the majority. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. It's a lie to think that God would ever approve of a marriage between two males and two females. They can't reproduce. He commanded Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Two males and two females can't be fruitful and multiply of themselves. They have to to get um, a... A couple of two females have to get sperm to produce um, a child, and, and two males have to get an, uh, a, a, um, an ovum to be able to produce a child. It's not natural. It's not the way it commands it to be done. But yet we say, no, we know better. Uh, God is wrong. We have a better way. Well, you continue to think that way, you're going to continue to hear things like this in the news. It was horrible, but I understand the reason why God allowed it. And it, is, is, it should be pretty obvious the reason why God allowed those tornadoes to occur in that area, because it's gay activity in that area that he's not pleased with, that he's not pleased with. So I hope that you, you understand that. And then just the history of these hurricanes here and, and the devastation that it has caused, um, uh, this is by the CNN staff, uh, Wednesday, May 22, 2013. And here's the latest developments from this. Uh, it says, um, at least 24 people, including nine children, were killed when a massive tornado struck an area outside Oklahoma City on Monday afternoon, officials said. At least seven of these children or at least seven of those children were killed at Plaza Towers Elementary School in Moore, Oklahoma, Police said, emergency personnel on Tuesday continued to score the, the, the school's rubble, a scene of twisted I-beams and crumbled cinder blocks. 
The tornado was 1.3 miles wide as it moved through Moore in the southern part of the Oklahoma City metropolitan area. So it was in the Oklahoma City area, the National Weather Service said. The estimated peak wind ranged from 200 to 210 miles per hour, which would make it an EF5, the most powerful category of tornadoes possible, according to the agency. It says about 2,400 homes were damaged in Oklahoma City's uh, Moore in Oklahoma City, said Jerry Lachka of the Oklahoma Department of Emergency Management. Some 10,000 people were directly impacted by the tornado, he said. Then government Mary Fallon said the tornado was one of the most horrific storms and disasters that this state has ever faced. Well, I'm not surprised, according to all this gay stuff that's going on in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma will get through this. We will overcome. We will rebuild. We will regain our strength, she said. Well, they will overcome if they truly start to repent of the wickedness that's going on in Oklahoma City, which she is partially responsible for. Officials are working on legislation for an emergency fund that would help the state's recovery. Insurance claims will likely top $1 billion, Kelly Collins of the Oklahoma Insurance Commission told CNN. CNN. The cost would be higher than that from the May 3, 1999 tornado that hit the same area. We need to be praying that Governor, Governor Mary Fallon realizes that homosexual activity had something to do with these tornadoes and that she addresses her, her uh, state with that fact, and that they need to stop that activity. Uh, Moore Fire Chief Gary Bird says searches plan to search every affected structure and vehicle three times by Tuesday night. So then Mike Cornett, Oklahoma City Mayor, said full electric service should be restored to the Draper Water Treatment Plant on Tuesday. Customers should eventually notice normal water pressure. He said the storm knocked out power to the plant and authorities put the facility on generator power. So this is something that uh, was horrendous, but I hope, based on what I've told you, (laughs) you understand why um, this happened in our president states here. President Barack Obama said he doesn't yet know the full extent of the damage. We don't know both the human and economic losses that may have occurred, he said Tuesday. Oklahoma needs to get everything it needs right away to recover. So, you know, this is a pattern that's been going on in this country for years, and it will continue to to happen, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't repent. Um, Our leader, Obama, states again, or did anyway, uh, he signed a disaster declaration Monday night. A White House statement said the declaration means federal emergency aid will supplement local recovery efforts. So, otherwise, though, the, okay, this is interesting here. It says the three high schools in the school district of Moore still will have, a grad, will have graduation ceremonies on Saturday at the Cos Convention Center in Oklahoma City. Otherwise, though, the city's public schools will be closed for the rest of the year. Right, because this is the time that uh, the schools will be uh, closed. So, it, it's, it's just tough. But, um it's because of sin. God doesn't allow anything like this to occur unless there's great wickedness. And then you say, well, why did God allow the children to die? Well, there's a scripture that tells us why, ladies and gentlemen. I, I'm going to quote it to you in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And this scripture applies to us um, just as well as it applied to our ancestors back during the times of Moses, despite what people think. 
Uh, God does not change. That's found in Malachi, and uh, He's not. He's going to uh, continue to for those territories who have the Bible. And uh, it, it's, we really don't have any excuse, although partially some of Israel is blinded. And we we have to understand that he does not appreciate us disobeying him. And this is um, found in Deuteronomy. Well, let me, uh, there's a scripture that says he will forget your children. I'm trying to find it here. So, but it, it's, this is just unfortunate. But we need to pray for this nation, and we need to pray for for people not to to um, continue to think that um, God will bless us if we continue to disobey Him, even if we're blinded of it. You know, um, in Deuteronomy twenty-eight verse fifteen, but it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe to do all His commandments and the statutes which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Verse sixteen: Cursed shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall be the basket in thy store. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body, which is your children. You know, your children. And so that, and then when we do obey him, he says, blessed shall be the fruit of, of thy body. Okay, so we have to understand that if we want blessings to continue, then we need to, we need to start obeying him, ladies and gentlemen, collectively as a nation and collectively as a world, we, we have to do that. And if we don't do that, then he's going to um, inflict punishment uh, on uh, us to the point of where he's going to uh, cause curses to, to happen on um, our children, unfortunately. Unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen. And so we, we, we have to take these scriptures seriously. And we must realize that he's not um he's not playing around, ladies and gentlemen. Uh he he's not going to put up with this homosexuality stuff. He's he puts up with other things, but uh when it comes to homosexuality you what what in effect what homosexuality does is contribute to the destruction of humanity. Because here's the problem. Two males and two females, again, cannot reproduce. Okay? And that, that's, that's, the, that's the number one problem. So that's, that's the number one problem. And uh, we, we have to understand that and we have to repent of those things collectively as a nation because if we don't he's going to he's going to curse the fruit of our body the children you know people pay attention to to when that happens 
but uh, we should never have to go through something like that. We should never have to go through seeing children being killed because of sin. We shouldn't have to go through any of that, ladies and gentlemen. And we just need to be praying for our leaders and and for everyone in this country and around the world to if there where there's homosexual activity and and other activities that we repent we repent of of our wickedness and that um we acknowledge that we've been wrong and that we need to obey the words of the bible so that that's that's what we need to do ladies and gentlemen because if, if we don't do that, then this is going to continue on and on and on and on and on. Okay, so that's that's the news that I wanted to speak about, and I took a lot more time than I normally would because this is unfortunate. It really, really is unfortunate, and um, we we just have to to really understand the, the times that we're living in today and. We we have to understand he's not going to put up with, with all this. Okay, so this will be a short Bible study, but um, succinct and, and to the point Bible study about remembering the poor. And I've I've talked about this many times on this program about the fact that we should remember the poor. And it's a big problem with humanity. Matter of fact, in Psalms or Proverbs chapter uh, 30, there's a prophecy of this 21st century, uh, of her attitude and, and how we care about other people. And it says in, in Proverbs 30, verse 14, there's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. And so, this this is a big problem. It's been a problem for many years, but in this particular century, it's, it's just gotten so bad. So bad to the point where the latest statistics on world poverty. If you go to one of my favorite websites, um, www.globalissues.org, and you click on Poverty Facts and Stats. This is by Anup Shah one of the best websites out there, that gives you the reality of, of humankind, ladies and gentlemen. It says, almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. Let me underscore this, and this only backs up the prophecy being fulfilled. Proverbs 30, verse 14, almost half the world, over 3 billion people, live on less than $2.50 a day. And then at least 80% of, of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. And then more than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where income differentials are widening. The poorest 40% of the world's population accounts for 5% of global income. The richest 20% accounts for three-quarters of world income. This is what many people don't seem to understand. Let me read this. According to UNICEF, UNICEF, 22,000 children die each day 
So September 11th, there was 3,000 people that died. There's over seven or seven September 11th that happen every single day around the world, ladies and gentlemen. And these are little children that die each day due to poverty. And they die quietly in some of the poorest villages on earth, far removed from the scrutiny and the conscience of the world. Being meek and weak in life makes these dying multitudes even more invisible in death. It says around 27 to 28% of all children in developing countries are estimated to be underweight or stunted. The two regions that account for the bulk of the deficit are South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa, which is um, basically the poorest regions in the world in reference to poverty. It says if current trends continue, the Millennium Development Goals target of having the, the of having or H-A-L-V-I-N-G, halving, the proportion of underweight children will be missed by 30 million children, largely because of slow progress in South Asia and Sub-Saharan Africa. Based on enrollment data, about 72 million children of primary school age in the developing world were not in school in 2005. 57% of them were girls, and these are regarded as optimistic numbers. Nearly a billion people entered the 21st century unable to read a book or sign their names. So th th this is sad, ladies and gentlemen, and you know it's more bad news. But the point I want to make is that we are living in a very stingy society. People don't want to give as they should, and our Lord and Savior commands us to give, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's not a suggestion; it's a commandment. In Luke chapter six. Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 38, states the following. It says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. <laughs> so this this is a commandment. You can't run away from this. Uh, give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured unto you again. And then in a clear translation of this, in the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version, it says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, crushed down, full, and running over, they will give to you. For in the same measure as you give, it will be given to you again. All right? So we, we can't be stingy, and, and, and we must give. We must give. So... Uh, this is very important to understand. If you don't understand this, then you, you are not a believer. You're not a believer. If you want to be tightwad and uh, have uh, have excuses for not giving to people, then, then you're not really a believer. You're, you're a pretender, you know, and you need to stop playing around. So uh, that that's... And in Luke chapter 6, verse 35, oh, actually in verse 34... No, let me start in Luke 6, verse 32, in the uh, Bible and Basic English Version. The Bible and Basic English Version. If you have love for those who have love for you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners have love for those who have love for them. In verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you, let, and if you let those have the use of your money from whom you are hoping to get it back, what credit is it to you? So <laughs> if you let... Those have the use of your money. In other words, you give them a loan. 
from whom you are hoping to get it back, what credit is it to you? Even sinners do so to sinners, hoping to get back as much as they gave. Verse 35, but be loving to those who are against you and do them good and give them your money, not giving up hope. And your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High, for he is kind to evil men and to those who have have hard hearts. It says, be full of pity or merciful. That's why I call my assembly the merciful servants of God, even as your father is full of pity. All right, so we, if we call ourselves believers, then we must do this. We must give, and we must be concerned about the poor. If you're not concerned about the poor, uh, how can you be righteous? Uh, the Bible is pretty plain about that. Uh, Proverbs 29, verse 7, in the uh, 1965 Bible in Basic English Version, it says, The upright man gives attention to the cause of the poor. The evildoer gives no thought to it. <laughs> So that, that that's that's uh, pretty plain, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we 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 must give, and we shouldn't be stingy. Uh, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, Second Corinthians chapter nine, starting in verse six. But in the writings of the scriptures, it says, "He who puts in only a small number of seeds will get in the same." And he who puts them in from a full hand will have produce in full measure from them. And so, you, of course, you should give what you can. But if you're stingy about it, and this is what this is what this is talking about, if you if you have five hundred dollars to give to charity, and you just give one hundred dollars, then that's not acceptable to God. You give what you can. Second um, Corinthians nine verse seven: Let every man do after his purpose of his heart, not giving with grief or by force, for God takes pleasure in a ready giver or a cheerful giver. And God is able to give you all grace and full measure so that ever having enough of all things, you may be full of every good work. As it is said in the writings, he has sent out far and wide. He has given to the poor. His righteousness is forever. And he who gives seed for putting into the field and bread for food will take care of the growth of your seed. At the same time, increasing the fruits of your righteousness, your wealth being increased in everything with a simple mind causing praise to God through us. For this work of giving not only takes care of the needs of the saints, but it's a cause of much praise to God. For when through this work of giving, they see what you are, they give glory to God for the way in which you have given yourself to the good news of Christ and for the wealth of your giving to them and to all. So we should give, of course, to the household of faith, those who are believers, and also to those who aren't believers in our local communities. That's the way we should be giving. And if people did that, Poverty would be eliminated, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 15 to understand this. And then the first couple of verses, this is where the United States gets the bankruptcy law. Of course, they don't follow it like the Scripture says, that all debt should be discharged. Uh, student loans still can't be discharged and other debt. But God is merciful. He is very merciful even to those who have been foolish with their finances. And he requires every seven years of a seven-year cycle to have all of your debts discharged. Deuteronomy 15, verse 7, if any, of, if any of your towns in the land which the Lord your God has given you, there is a poor man, one of your countrymen, do not let your heart be hard or your hand shut to him, but let your hand be open to him to give him the use of whatever he is in need of, not his wants, needs or foods, clothes and shelter, and whatever else it takes for you to survive. So, you know, it's, it's something that we should do. 
and in verse 11 of, of Deuteronomy 15, for there will never be a time when there are no poor in the lands. And, and so I give orders to you, let your hand be open to your countrymen, to those who are poor and in need in your land and your local communities. Um, so that this is something that um, if every nation followed this, there would not be poverty at all, period. And the first century church followed this in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, rather. Acts chapter 4. Verse 34. Acts 4, verse 34. And no one among them was in need, for everyone who had land or houses exchanged them for money, took the price of them, and put it at the feet of the apostles for distribution to everyone as he had need. The, 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 the point is people were giving, and there was a fund set up um, for to help those who were in need, the ministers as well as everyone else in the assembly. And that's what my assembly has started to do now. We're, we're going to have a merciful service of God charity fund to help those in our assembly and, and also those um, in our local communities. And I suggest any ministers that are listening to me now to do that. And why am I suggesting this? Well, a good way to end this Bible study, uh, John 12, verse 6. Our master did this. Uh, John 12, verse 6. Actually, in verse 5, why was not this perfume traded for 300 pence and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he had any love for the poor, but because he was a thief and having a money bag. So there was a money bag. And Yeshua used that money bag to, to take care of the needs of, of, of his ministry and, and the people and also to help the poor. Uh, this is plainly revealed here in, in the scriptures, and, and, he, and he did that. And we should follow his example. And then in John 13, verse 29, some were of the opinion that because Judas kept the money bag, Jesus said to him, get the things we have need of for the feast, or that he was to give something to the poor. So, as Paul stated in Galatians 2, verse 10, we must not ever forget the poor, ladies and gentlemen, and then we should serve the poor. And and um, we should give to them on a consistent basis, because God commands us to do that. So let's take a commercial break. I'll be right back. This ministry gives biblical teachings for free, and we will never sell our teachings. The Lord commands us to give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. This is found in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so have the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13 to 14. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. And the laborer is worthy of his wages. This is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. We are not a 501c3 church or religious organization that is associated with the federal or state government of this world. Therefore, your contributions to this work of Elohim, God, are not tax deductible. However, we appreciate any tithes, offerings, or donations you are willing to give to this work of God. Your contributions will help us to continue to preach the good news of the peaceful and wonderful kingdom of God.
to as many people as possible over the Internet. To help us preach this important message to as many people as possible, go to our website, MercifulServantsOfGod.com, and click the yellow Donate button. Thank you, and may God bless you. Okay, let's finish up on this Bible study that we should remember the poor. I'm going to quote an excellent article. It's a short article on Chabad.org, C-H-A-B-A-D.org. The Jews, perhaps more than anybody else, understand how to give. And I'm going to read this article. It says, What to Give and How. There's more to giving than being nice. The world rotates on its axis. The galaxies and the stars continue moving because of giving. Because of giving. Nothing we own is really ours to begin with. God gives us gives to us so we can give to others. That's why God gives to us so we can give to others. Giving is a mitzvah or a commandment and a responsibility. As such, it comes with its own set of do's and don'ts. The obligation. You're walking down the street and someone asks for food. The mitzvah or commandment says you have to give something. If he asks for money, you're allowed to make some inquiries to determine if he's legit. Nothing in your pocket? Show some empathy. means you understand the situation. Provide some kind and uplifting words. In no case can you just keep on walking. Jewish Standard Jewish practice is to give at least 10% of your net income to charity. There's plenty written on what's considered net and on when tuition fees and other mitzvah-related items can be deducted from the 10%. Speak with your rabbi about your specific issues, or you can read my article. I'm adding this. Um, tithes and offering, because I, I go into detail, much detail about this. And to understand how to give, simply go to my website, MercifulServiceOfGod.com, and click the yellow Donate button. There's a full study article on that, on tithes and offering and how to give. Anyway, since giving is a mitzvah or a commandment, it doesn't just help others, it lifts you up as well. That's why we keep a pushka or a charity box on a prominent display in a home and office, and I suggest each and every one of you that are listening to me to do the same, to put a pushka charity box um, in your home on the kitchen table. Just drop a few coins in the pushka every so often, at least once a day. It should be consistent. And the recipient gives the daca or charity to the needy, Torah schools, Jewish institutions, or humanitarian causes. In my case, uh, you can give to this ministry. Uh, you can give to the needy in your local communities or any Torah teachers uh, in your local community. And Torah teachers should give 10% of what they get from contributions to charity, to, to the poor. A family member who is in difficult financial straits takes precedence over non-family. Likewise, local poor and charitable organizations take precedence over their faraway counterparts. And charitable causes in Israel take precedence over non-local charities uh, in a diaspora all right so that's that's the that's what they teach the upshot no other mitzvah evokes a powerful as no other commandment evokes no other commandment evokes as powerful a divine response as the daca or charity it makes sense you take care of others and god takes care of you our sages taught that zadaka brings atonement and protects against harsh heavenly decrees and this is all Bible because it is exactly true. Because if we don't give, we are not going to make it in the kingdom, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we, we can't just uh, say, I believe, and, and you don't have works. And, and one of the works that God wants us to always do is charitable works. So with that, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. 
For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. 